0: Hey everybody, as always, this week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is sponsored by our good friends at Midwest Action. Midwest Action is a record and tape label, as well as a blog, based here in our hometown of Chicago. On February 7th, you can catch Water Closet, as well as Midwest Action artists Moon and Diagonal playing at Smash Plastic, Chicago's local record-pressing plant. For more info on these shows and artists, you can head over to midwestaxn.com. Midwest Action, listen local. Dan Fiorio and I'm Michael Lane and welcome to Infinite Canvas Ultra episode 23 the Mm -hmm. Jordan episode the Jordan
1: episode on
0: this week's episode we're going to be talking about Guy Ritchie's new film The Gentleman as well as we're just going to kind of do a recap of uh, this week's big news and events a lot has gone on since you last heard from us the Mm -hmm. Grammys happened Um, Super Bowl is tomorrow there's a bunch of shit that we're going to be talking about Fast
1: and Furious 9 trailer, perhaps? Maybe the biggest news we can touch
0: upon this (laughs) week. It's going to be exciting. So strap in, grab a comfortable seat, grab a drink, and yeah, come hang with us. Infinite Canvas Ultra, episode 23. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Infinite Canvas Ultra. Um, Yeah, so where do we begin this week? I was going to say, where do you want to lead off with? um... (laughs) I think I want to lead off first with uh, rest in peace to... The legend Kobe Bryant, yeah. his, his daughter, and the lives lost tragically last Sunday in mm-hmm. um, that horrible helicopter accident that happened.
1: What a what a weird like knock! It just like knocked you back to even see that. You exactly, know, it's yeah. just. A friend had, had, the way that I found out was, was that a friend texted the group chat that I'm in um, and it was like within minutes of the news breaking through TMZ mm-hmm. and uh, all he said was, hey guys, Kobe died. And it was like, I read that and I was like, no, like, no way. Are it's, you serious? It's right? One of
0: those things where it's just automatically you hear and it's like, that's just fake. Like some it's hoax, right? Somebody, you and, know, creating some internet hoax. And it was
1: like, it almost felt like it because when I looked up Kobe Bryant, like, I went to Google and, like, quickly looked it up, uh, just Kobe Bryant and, like, all the news, um, because it was, like, literally just breaking, um, all I saw was all these headlines of literally the night before he died, um, LeBron James passed him in the points leading, uh, like, all-time points leaders. Uh, to the second place spot, and so like all the all the news was just about that. Yeah, and then I went to Twitter and I saw, you know, some that TMZ story, and and for like God, it had to have been like an hour. It was just like people like, oh, it's a hoax, it's not real. Someone hacked TMZ's website, and then like all it was just like such a mess because uh, you've I, I've heard in, in in the days since that like his family found out about this or had the, you know, they didn't know about it. And TMZ broke the story before even the family could have had a chance to know about this, you know? Right. Um, and that's just, that's, that's so sad. It's it's
0: so tragic. Um, and especially in the manner that it happened, no matter what is tragic, but in the manner that it happened and the fact that his child also, his 13 year old daughter passed with him, it's utterly just soul crushing. It's so heartbreaking. Um,
1: yeah, and and, and Kobe's a, a, a weird figure with, you know, he's obviously had trouble in the past with, obviously, like, the sexual assault case from the early 2000s, um, but, you know, and I'm not entirely certain how all that shaked out, but it, it seemed as though Kobe had become a really, like, he'd really changed and become a really good man right. in the last decade plus. Exactly. Um, and it's just, it's heartbreaking, you know, it's... It, Outside of the fact that he was obviously a incredible professional athlete uh, that so many people looked up to um it seemed like he had a good heart and and really cared about his family and his daughters exactly um especially the one that was with him that day uh who uh was a basketball player herself and' there's like you know i I believe he coached her team mm-hmm. um, it's 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 so sad it yeah really, it's
0: really I was going to stop. And on top of that, I know he had a huge involvement with his daughter and uh, you know, kind mm-hmm. of helping shape what her uh, start of basically what her career seemed to have yeah. been. I mean, I know if she would have had the opportunity, she would have made great strides in basketball sure. and would have yeah. became a star in her own right and uh it's just so heartbreaking and sad. Um yeah. So we don't we don't normally do too much sports talk on here other than Michael's uh <laughs> other uh, than the fantasy, fantasy and, and
1: you know, maybe we'll check in next week with the with the Super Bowl yeah. or something.
0: But, but uh we had to we had to touch on um, that yeah, this, and yeah. Give a little dedication because it's just so sad and it's just such a major loss in so many regards. Yeah. And uh definitely is uh Brian, Kobe Bryant was somebody who is so influential and just, you know, Uh, an idol for so many and it's it's a humongous loss and just so unexpected Mm -hmm. and and of course rest in peace to gianna his daughter
1: and and the the seven other passengers on that helicopter that day it's absolutely
0: such a tragedy Um, it's very sad so rest in peace to all involved and uh yeah but uh in much brighter news Um, yeah. I am very excited to talk about this and, uh, shift into this. It's something that I know that you're very excited to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, changing gears, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, big trailer came out for a yeah. uh, big, big film that's going to be ten, coming out ten this pole May. Temple
1: franchise. Big blockbuster series of films. i want
0: to let you take the wheel on this because Fast uh, 9. Fast 9. Fast
1: 9, uh, the ninth... Well, technically 10th entry in the Fast and Furious saga,
0: yeah. as they're calling it. of um, Hobbs and Shaw, which is, I think, yep. the last time we kind of talked yeah. about extensively about Fast and yep. Furious on this show. Um,
1: and honestly, for the right reasons that we never talked about <laughs> it again, um, because Hobbs and Shaw was a major disappointment. But... And update to
0: our listeners real quick. I still have not seen any other film in the uh, Fast and Furious we need, series. We, we
1: really need to fix that, I Yeah. Think. Um, the Fast and Furious franchise holds a dear place in my heart. I actually came to the Fast and Furious franchise very late. Like I saw them all maybe two or three years ago for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, right before Fate of the Furious came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just it's just such a fun series of movies. Like they're just a blast to watch, even the bad ones, mm-hmm. even even Fast and Furious two. Um, in this house, we, we don't talk bad about Tokyo Drift. Uh, that, is a, that is one of the best
0: ones. That's what uh, one I'm most excited to watch whenever yeah. I watch these, because I've heard it's just amazing. It's silly. It's so silly. And I will say this, actually, um, I don't know, Like, correct me on this, was Fast Five the one, the first one with The Rock?
1: Yeah, Fast Five was kind of like the turning point for the series, I think. That's when they became more like action blockbuster. Like Fast The, the Fast and The Furious. Mm-hmm right i think that's the fourth one the first one's fast and furious and then the fourth one was the fast and the furious i believe yeah um the fourth one kind of was delving into that ac- action spectacle but like the fifth one when the rock came in like fast five that's when it really shifted gears into like bombastic over the top not about racing anymore or drifting it's about like saving the world and like superhero shit that's okay um, so
0: that one um i actually vividly remember i, have not, I haven't watched it in its entirety mm-hmm. but i did see maybe the last hour or so because uh, like okay. i remember i was at home sick in high school and i was on hbo <laughs> and i just was like you know i'm just gonna leave yeah. this on and i i really had fun oh yeah when i saw it was ridiculous i remember there being some like huge hook involved that was like shot through like a semi-truck oh oh, yeah something that the rock was doing (laughs) and it was great so Mm -hmm. um fast five is probably the pinnacle of the series i would say really
1: um and i I think that's pretty much the general consensus Mm. um six seven and eight i think are all good seven is probably the best out of those because that's kind of like the paul walker tribute one yeah um gets you every time at the end man it's so it's so sad (laughs) Um, obviously rest in peace to Paul Walker. Absolutely. That, that, the, the Kobe thing kind of, it was kind of that big out of nowhere thing, just like the Paul Walker Absolutely. Uh, moment. Um, but fast nine, man, that looks so stupid <laughs> and I am so excited for
0: it. Yeah. um, I I laughed a few times while watching that trailer, but that's kind of just more out of maybe the heartiest laugh I've ever heard from you <laughs> during
1: one one particular moment.
0: It is uh so good to see. We'll just let the cat out of the bag. Unless if you haven't seen the trailer, it is so good to see John Cena involved in these films. Yeah, that just filled me with so much joy. He just fits so perfectly. Seeing him look very serious behind a car, uh-huh. um, driving after whoever he's driving after. I'm gonna assume it's probably, probably Dom. Diesel. Probably, probably Dom. Easily, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much on board with this. <laughs> this looks so silly. It, yeah and it's such a long trailer it's like four minutes
1: long and, it, and I feel like it's giving away everything in this movie but I'm still so excited
0: to see it so let's hit some um, touchstones in this uh, this trailer what are some of your biggest highlights like um, some things that, as a fan of the franchise when seen yeah. all of them, what were some of the biggest moments for you
1: obviously well I'll leave the best for last I think but it's nice to see that uh, John Cena is having a really big part in this movie because John Cena they had announced that John Cena was going to be in this movie mm. to what capacity i i didn't know at least until this trailer but it's great to see him as like the central villain of this movie because that means way more john (laughs) cena
0: absolutely um
1: so i'm super excited for that um don has a kid now which is interesting (laughs) i don't believe that was in the in the other ones unless i'm mistaken i'm pretty sure that's a new detail Mm. um the strapping the rocket to the car oh and having God. Tyrese be
0: inside of it is really funny. That was so insane. Um, but I love it.
1: It's also, it's just great to see that cast again all together. Cause, like, you know, Hobbs and Shaw, I was so excited for it and and seeing uh, The Rock and Jason Safelyn together was cool. But,. You miss that family, you know? You miss the family of it all.
0: Gotta have the family. Um speaking of family, um maybe one of the most like jarring things about this film that has been announced is John Cena's character is apparently Dom's (laughs) brother. Which
1: we were (laughs) I was saying to Dan before before we started recording is like, uh, well, I, I don't know where that family lineage like comes into play there but uh john cena and vin diesel don't seem like they come from anywhere adoption. near the same family maybe maybe um i love the implication that like john cena is just this all like all perfect uh driver I, I like one of the characters like i think like maybe Charlize Theron's character or, or whoever it is is like listing down like all of his attributes and it's like most skilled driver and (laughs) trained assassin. It's like every, literally every single detail. It's so good. Um, but also speaking of family, the craziest thing from this movie, and I'm so glad Han is back finally after being out for, I want to say two movies. I can't remember. I think, no, I think he was in seven and then, yeah, I believe he was in seven and he wasn't in eight because Dan, I have to sit you down here.
0: Alright, I'm ready. Having
1: not seen any of these movies, it's, very, it's a very confusing timeline.
0: Give me the actually.
1: history of Han. Um, so the first two movies take place, you know, uh, uh, you know it's number one and number two, and then number three, actually, Tokyo Drift, takes place after four, five, six, and I want to say seven. Mm-hmm. So Tokyo Drift takes place at the end of, basically, the series, up until 8. Um, okay. Which, looking back on it, makes no sense, yeah, because that's... it's set in 2006, and everyone's driving, like, you know, these 2006 cars and using flip phones. Yeah, it makes no
0: sense. Um,
1: we'll look past that. <laughs> um, Han is introduced in Tokyo Drift and dies at the end of Tokyo Drift. And it's later, uh, shown that he's killed by Jason Statham's character, um, and I want to say Fast Five or Six, it's so hard to keep all of them on track, because there's so so fucking many of these movies. Right. Uh, but Han, Han was dead in three, uh, but he was such a lovable character and everyone loved him so much that, obviously, they went and set the following sequels in the past, or, you know, uh, previous to the events of Tokyo Drift, so that they could, it could include Han... And he was always, like, the the shining moment of that series, you know? Like, he was he was such a great addition to that cast of characters. Yeah. Um, and although it makes literally no sense that he's back, I am so <laughs> glad that he's back. Um, I mean, they've done this before. Michelle Rodriguez's character dies in one of the movies and they bring her back, too. So, mm.
0: um,
1: if Paul Walker wasn't literally dead, I'm sure they'd bring him back, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, uh, it's really great to see Han back. This movie looks so stupid. And I'm so excited for
0: it. I me too. I can't wait. I think um, legitimately, I'm going to try and like watch all of these films before this movie comes out.
1: I would. I would love to know what you think about all of them.
0: I'm hoping it goes in a way where it's just I kind of get on a roll where it's Mm -hmm. just I love these and uh, I hope so. I just kind of want to just plow right through all of them, which is pretty great. Um, I I feel like that will happen. Michael and I were talking before we. Went on air, he thinks it'd be funny if I just kind of went into it blindly and just watched Fast Nine. Uh, <laughs> I would love
1: to know, like, how you, any how someone these... would come to this series knowing nothing about it. Like, I'm sure you'd have a fun time, but like, I don't know. So much of it is based around like these characters and how they, you know, their relationships and stuff outside of all the crazy action. But
0: yeah, um, I'm excited, I'm excited to watch it. I mean, we might have a whole episode's worth of material, just maybe dissecting oh, yeah. the entire franchise going into it, which would be fun. That would like be cool. We'd kind of piss off some of our listeners talking about yeah. Fast and Furious. Too. I
1: mean, if you don't like Fast and Furious, I don't like you, so it's, okay. <laughs> Going uh, on record.
0: If you don't uh, like Fast uh, and Furious, we don't fuck with you. Yeah, no. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be awesome. It just dawned on me, I think next episode we might be talking about uh, Birds of Prey. That's pretty crazy that that comes out on the seventh.
1: Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We probably
0: will be. We should probably buy tickets to that. We probably should. Um I don't know what your schedule looks like. But... Um I'm good. Yeah, actually. I think I'm uh I'm working early on like Thursday and Friday. All right. so Maybe Thursday night then. That'd be cool. Um, um but yeah, no, we should definitely make that happen. And I'm I'm excited to talk about that movie. I haven't seen any I know, the premiere obviously happened. I haven't seen what any of the early reactions to the film is. From
1: what I saw, it seemed like reactions were really positive. That's um, good. But I feel like that's always the case with, like, before the yeah. reviews actually show up. Like, the, the post-premiere, pre-review stage where, like... I feel like the only people who talk about the movie are people who really enjoyed it, you know? Because it's usually, like, Twitter reactions, mm-hmm. and it's, like, always super positive, no matter what
0: movie it is, I feel like, so. Well, I feel like Warner Brothers in particular is kind of guilty of sort of having this kind of yeah. kind of gaslighting people, whereas they, you get all these positive reactions, and then mm-hmm. they kind of turn out a complete turd of a film, yeah. especially in terms of their, you know, big-budget franchises. Like but... The DCU and it chapter two and everything. So, um, but, but I'm glad so, a lot of people liked It Chapter 2, I've come to find out. Really? These people I've talked to. Really? I reason, feel like
1: I've talked to nobody who even saw that movie. I am very
0: happy for you. Or it was like,
1: it was made, I'm sure people saw it, but it was like so hushed because like, I don't think anyone wanted to talk about it because I don't, I don't know anyone who liked that movie, so.
0: That's, that's a good thing. That gives me hope for humanity because <laughs> I've talked to way too many people that were, oh, it was good I liked yeah. it more than the original. It's... Why? Nah. I mean, yes, Bill Hader is great in it, but I mean that's kind that of is the true. only Bill
1: good in everything. redeeming
0: qualities <clears> about <throat> it. Um, before we get into, uh, I did want to talk about um, the Grammys yeah. a little bit, but piggybacking off of uh, comic books, understand? Actually, and I there was something that um, I've been wanting to talk about on the show that sure. comic wise that I haven't yet. So I'm going to touch on that in a minute, but um, I understand you worked your way through Umbrella Academy for the first time.
1: Uh, I read through, uh, thanks to the local library where I live, uh, which I
0: love. Shout out to your local library. Everybody's local library. If you don't have a a library card, you're fucking up. Please please get a library
1: card. Libraries are great. They are so great. And uh, on top of that, I'll get to Umbrella Academy, but I also... My local library sells movies sometimes for two bucks each, mm-hmm. and I just bought the favorite for two bucks on Blu-ray there. Oh shit! And I was so That's happy awesome. about that because I've been part. wanting to watch that again, uh, and I never see I never see that anywhere. Yeah. I don't see like new copies of it. I don't see used copies of it anywhere. Um, so to get that for two bucks is like a steal.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: But I did uh, talking about comics. I did uh, rent out the. First volume of Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, like, this nice big, like, library edition of it uh, with, like, 50 pages of extra content at the end. Yeah. Um, Including, like, a a two-page story that they originally did, as well as, like, a 12-page, like, free comic book day thing that came out before the series premiered, I believe. Yeah. Um, And uh, it's interesting. I, I, I thought that, I mean, I enjoyed... i enjoyed reading it and and shout out to gabriel ba and his artwork it's it's phenomenal in that book
0: very underrated Um, artist yeah it it,
1: it's a he his style it's it's very hellboy-esque to me it
0: it definitely has a mike mignola yeah it it definitely
1: definitely feels like that um and i i really enjoy that style of artwork and i think his his style fits that series really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm coming... I'm coming to the comic post having seen the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, the comic is only... or like The first volume of the comic is six issues long. You know, 22 pages is an issue. So it's condensing the story that I had seen over the course of eight hours worth of television. Right. Um, into you know, 120 pages. And I feel like the TV show... And and this happens with a lot of comic book shows where they'll pad out the sh- the, the comic mm-hmm. and they'll make, like, a full season out of one arc or, you know, six, six issues or whatever. Um, and I felt like, actually, with the Umbrella Academy show, it was actually really well done. Absolutely. A lot of the stuff that they added was really it just it was great material. Um, so reading the comic was kind of a letdown, I guess. I
0: I can totally see that. And I've um I've encountered that a lot with people who feel like who are much coming more to it favor after. the TV show and yeah. like, I totally understand. Yeah. Honestly, I probably favor it more too because it's it's given more room to breathe. Yeah, it it's... felt it
1: felt like rushed the comic. Like it it felt like this I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because I've seen the TV show, but it felt like this arc of a a storyline could have been like 12 issues long Mm -hmm. instead of six
0: and i think that's a thing where um i've always defended gerard way as a comic writer um i think maybe his most definitive work as a comic writer would probably be his doom patrol run Mm -hmm. um which was ill-fated because he can't keep to a a comic book writing schedule which is really sad but um I feel like he's kind of more of an ideas man when it comes to his, his writing, and mm-hmm. other people kind of, or through other mediums, it kind of gets padded out, and you sort of see its true potential. And uh, yeah. Umbrella Academy is a huge example of that. I'd almost say, um, I really love he did an issue of the uh spider-verse miniseries right um, where he introduced the character penny parker which is Mm -hmm. a character that was introduced in the into the spider-verse film um and again that's another example of that you get to kind of see that character done in this this way where Mm -hmm. you know it's presented in almost anime-esque type style um that issue alone stands very well on its own yeah um i wish we could have gotten a series of that i wish we could have gotten a series of that and it's it's just really interesting, and it's. It, but I'm grateful that you know he did create these projects, that he wrote that book, and that we were able to get a TV show like a yeah. Academy out of it. Because um, yeah, anybody that I I, I definitely wholeheartedly recommend that comic. But, yeah, um, same I, here. I, I enjoyed it, but yeah. again, it was a
1: bit of a, a just underwhelming. It's, for yeah, sure. it's
0: it's very interesting how what the TV show was based off of was based off of is almost like bonus material in the long run. Sure, because it's, yeah. it's really not there's really not that much to it. It's yeah. just so sparse and it's it creates an amazing world. There's so many great premises and mm-hmm. ideas that are presented in that book, but it's just, you know, in and out, done. There yeah. we go. T V show it, it's it almost feels like that book was kind of made as like a really, really good TV show pitch. Sure, that, yeah. You know, ended up finally almost probably more than 10 years after that book was out Mm -hmm. it finally became a a series so i totally understand that but i'm glad you got around to reading it because i've always felt that project was great and Um, i'm I'm looking
1: forward to reading the rest i know my library has the second volume in like that big library edition and dallas yeah yeah and i know they have the third volume the the most recent one uh just in a paperback but that's fine i'll yeah. Read that.
0: it's a great series um, i'm excited to see that show come yeah back it, kind it, of it,
1: yeah i'm sure that'll be sometime this year mm-hmm. um, but it makes me appreciate the show more i think knowing yeah. just how much more they put into it and then like fleshed out all these characters like you there's like no bet in the first volume of yeah. the comic he's just not even there it's like he's not even mentioned um and that's like kind of the problem with the those first six issues i think is that it. it it just feels so short and mm-hmm. and like you don't really get to know any of the characters outside of i mean obviously you get to know number 1 um and like vanya but like the the rest of the characters are so muddled like you barely even get to know them at all yeah um, for the, through those first 6 issues uh so i feel like if i came to that book having not i i, I wonder like if i came to that book having not seen the series i wonder if i would have liked it more Or totally been underwhelmed by it.
0: I wonder too. You know? Because for me, like, I genuinely really liked it. I thought what the book did on its own was very fun. And I enjoyed it quite a lot. But um, definitely watching the show, it was surprising how much Mm -hmm. it expanded on it. In in the best way possible. In
1: really good ways. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes me interested to, to... Go back and read The Boys at some point and see what... Because I've heard heard that that series, that comic series, isn't that great.
0: I've never actually read it. Um, I kind of don't want to, in all honesty. Yeah, I feel like that show is so good. I feel like what that show has given me and just how much I love that show, I almost feel like it would... I kind of just don't really want to go to that and read that. Because, I mean, just things I've heard about it and, you know, just how much of a product of its time it is, whereas this show is so not that yeah. and is just so advanced in a writing level and, you know, just in in what it's saying. Um, I, I think I can go without it and yeah. just be excited for the second season and rewatch the first season. So yeah. And and I don't know who the artist is on that book,
1: but it's definitely not Gabriel Baugh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've I think seen, uh, I've seen
1: the artist on that or the artwork in that and it doesn't seem all that up my alley. It's uh,
0: Derek Robertson, who I believe did um, Hitman with. Uh, oh, wow. That one, that's a, DC Vertigo. Book, right? yeah, like a Vertigo. DC Vertigo title. I want to say my brother loves that one. <laughs> I want to say I can see uh, your brother. Like, yeah. That's definitely the like most think, random. Yeah. yeah, I know your brother is super into '90s comics. Yeah. That's like peak '90s comics. Is that, is
1: that Garth Ennis?
0: That's Garth Ennis. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember who wrote I thought that. So. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. so a bit of a, a reunion on that front. All oh, um, right, because the boys is the boys. Garth Ennis. Yeah, um, I want to say he probably did. He did, like, a lot of, like, Vertigo stuff. I'm pretty sure he was attached to some uh, Sandman Mm -hmm. titles when, like, Mm -hmm. those were coming out back in the day. That's
1: something I need to... One day I'll get to the Sandman at the library. They have those huge library edition ones. That's awesome. Well, they have two of those. I don't know how many there really is, but um, they have two of them at the library, and they are just... One day, man, when I get rid of all the other stuff, my entire uh, rest of my backlog, it's it's
0: Sandman time. That's something that's always eluded me. Same here. I've actually never really, really dived into that. That's I tried reading the first volume, like I have the first volume, mm-hmm. um, for some reason I just kind of checked out, Yeah. Uh, but fair. I feel like maybe I just wasn't in the mood, and I think I also tried reading it while I was on a train, Oh. so uh, that nice, just yeah. sort of like kind of killed my Mm -hmm. attention and focus on it so i think if i just properly sat down with it i think that'd be i think i'd love it quite a lot yeah
1: um one thing before we move on and and get to your thing yeah uh, about comics i will also say that i checked out the fourth and fifth volume of paper girls because i own the first 15 issues Mm. um and then just totally fell off that series uh so I'm, i'm planning on reading through the entirety of it uh, pretty soon here.
0: I need to read that last volume. That's like yeah. the only bit of that. that I... Actually, I think I haven't read the second to last and the last mm. volume. So
1: maybe it could be a, uh, a return to our, uh, what's the panel discussion? Maybe That'd be that, great. Maybe that could be a panel discussion pretty
0: soon here. That'd be really great because that was such a strong series. I yeah. loved the first three volumes of it so much. Um, I think it was leaps and bounds better than how Saga has been mm-hmm. in the last um Jesus Christ, probably like how four is or that, five arcs of that book. How is that book not back yet? It's been like, it's
1: been at least a year and a half, and they said it 12 months originally. And I have heard it's been radio silence ever since.
0: I would like to think it's maybe blamed on the development hell that Why the Last Man, the TV show, probably. is continuing to go through. And I'm probably. sure Brian K. Vaughn is pretty involved in that. Um, which I think that show is... Still happening. I know it has like entirely new showrunners now. Um, I am very worried. I, I I was very optimistic about it, especially when I heard the cast. Um, I am still kind of optimistic about it because I think FX is a very underrated. Oh, yeah, that's right. Network and they really have a. They've demonstrated a great level of quality mm-hmm. control yeah. in their past. So I think it will be good. Um, but. I, I, I
1: hope it happens, but. I got my Lock and Key show coming next week, so... Yeah. Oh, that's uh, next week already? Yeah, 7th wow. uh, as well. So maybe we'll have a, a double-header of comic book-based uh, television and movies with that, and uh, um, Birds of
0: Prey. Birds of Prey, yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. At least,
1: at least I'll probably get through a couple episodes of Lock and Key, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so a comic that I want to shout out that I've <clears throat> I read... Like right when this came out, which was actually uh, January 8th, um, which is the person that this book is about's birthday, um, I'm talking about Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams by Michael Allred, Mm -hmm. which is this um, very whimsical biography of David Bowie from the beginning of his career to uh, probably when Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars came out, if I'm remembering Mm -hmm. correctly. And it's not the most, you know, engaging thing you'll ever read. It's more of a spectacle and more just like pretty art. But if you're a huge music nerd, especially a big fan (laughs) of David Bowie, I cannot recommend that book enough. Obviously, Michael Allred, one of your favorite artists. Oh yeah. Um, this just right up your alley. <laughs> this just makes me love him even more. I'll have to show you this later. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of it. I, but... have,
1: I have not even heard of this. Is this a? Is it a graphic novel? Is it just an issue? Or it's
0: a graphic novel. Cool. It's a pretty big hardbound book. Awesome, um, and it's just. I had no idea about riddled this. Riddled with fucking uh, music references and just, like, little references to his career, like, early on in that point. Hmm. Um, I believe this is being done with the intent, um, excuse me, intent of being a multi-book series.
1: Sure. Oh, like going through the decade, like, his different uh,
0: eras, right? Exactly. And huh. it is just filled with incredible splash pages and... Just amazing art. Um, I, I still think as, as a huge all-red fanboy, I think probably the best work of his career was his Silver Surfer run. Um, which won him in Eisner because that is just amazing. Um but this this is definitely up there. It's it's just so awesome, like him being an artist who obviously is a huge music nerd is Huge into the 60s culture and yada yada yada. It's so fun seeing him do this project, yeah. and just feeling the love that comes like from him doing this project. It's it's very intoxicating if you have remotely any interest in Michael Ulrich, David Bowie, maybe both of that. You well actually. I shouldn't say you should go out and buy a copy of this because it is already out of print. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow! It's sold out like immediately. This what's b-
1: it? What's it uh, printed by? Like Fantagraphics or something? No. Um, let me S- It sounds that sounds like this. a
0: Fantagraphics
1: book if I had to guess.
0: But absolutely, it was a, a much smaller publisher. Huh. Um, let's see if I can find this real quick.
1: Um, I was gonna say. The, the pairing of artists here between Mike Allred and Bowie could only ever be topped as like a graphic novel for you yeah. if it was like Paul Pope doing a Radiohead book or something. You know? like, like this is when, when you said that when you said that it was Michael Allred doing a, a Bowie book it was just like there's never been a more dance-centered <laughs> graphic novel
0: ever written. It's so true. The uh, the moment I saw this announced, because I only found out about it via um, Allred's Instagram page, I immediately messaged Garrett, who <laughs> owns the comic store that is yeah. local to us. Um, and I was like, "Order me!" A you copy have to get of that. This. And sure enough, I think I'm the only person that bought that book oh, sure. there. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, hey, well I if mean, it's
1: out of print maybe i should if he has any more copies maybe i should go grab it
0: absolutely um, it's it's great it's huh. just it's um it's just such a fun read and there's just all these little tidbits and bits of history that even i didn't know about him that are kind of thrown into that and it's done in just such a fun way and i can't emphasize enough how great the artwork is in it um it's just absolutely amazing, and yeah, I totally check it out. And I really
1: want to check that out. I want you to go grab that as soon as we're done here.
0: I will, and it was a, a publisher which I have never heard of before called Insight Comics that put this out, hmm. um, which isn't even, I know Alred has his own publishing imprint, yeah. um, and it's not that, so this is just some kind of small press that put this out. Um, I saw today on his Instagram that it is getting a second printing cool. with a different cover, so I'm assuming it will be a bit more widely available, yeah. but freaking love it. I mean, it came out like literally at the beginning of this year. It's already one of my favorite comics of the year so far. I think it's awesome. just wonderful, and of course I do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh,
1: it would be, have to have been a major disappointment for it to have not been loved by you.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah,
0: but before we uh, wrap up our little intro to the show and all around the subject of music, um, last week the Grammys happened. Kind of interesting. Uh, I there's we'll get into this more. I still feel like uh, the Grammys as a organization has a bit of a long way to, to go mm-hmm. and uh, kind of you know just advancing a bit in terms of not only just you know. Artists that they recognize, but the classifications of said artists, but, um, gotta give a big shout-out to Billie Eilish, who cleaned the fuck up this year.
1: Of course it went to Billie Eilish, and honestly, I'm glad it did. I am too. Um, knowing the list of artists that were in contention for, for Album of the Year and everything, Mm -hmm. um, it, it seemed right for it to be Billie Eilish, for her to literally come out of nowhere and become the biggest star in music, Like, overnight, you know? Like, obviously she had, like, a bit of a, a, you know, a bit of a hill, like, a climb there. But, like, once this album came out, it was, like, 300 million plays on every single one of her songs on Spotify. Right. Like, that's, for a debut album, that's, I feel, like, unheard of.
0: Especially for an artist where I I feel like her sound wouldn't be as accessible as it actually is. But somehow it's just, you know... It is. Everybody loves her. I mean I I, I think that record is great. Mm-hmm. I think she's great and I'm it's but it's just kind of mind blowing to me that she is taken off in the level that she has. Yeah. So for awards that she won, she won Album of the Year, the I mean biggest grand right. prize of the Grammys. Um she won twice in basically the same category uh, which is of course Record of the Year and Song of the Year. That's definitely a thing where Do you uh,
1: know the 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 difference between those two?
0: Looking at this, I feel and is especially it like... seeing these like laid out in front of me, I feel like what they mean by Record of the Year is single of the year and then I feel like what they mean by Song of the Year is just literally any track that has been released this year, huh. but that's so vague. And they or is it like a is... songwriting thing, maybe? I don't know. I, don't... I I never understood the difference between those two. I want to say the logic behind that because I mean, around the time that the Grammys would have been, you know, formed and this would have all started. Sure. Um. Typically, record is synonymous with single. Um. So I think that's what they're getting mm, at. In that. Maybe. But I mean. Anything that's in Song of the Year, I assure you, was more than likely released as a single. So it's it's not the
1: only outdated category they have, (laughs) which I'm sure we'll get to the other one in in a moment. But
0: absolutely, so she won both of those, so she basically won twice for Bad Guy, which um, of course that's kind of it's also kind of bullshit. I feel like being that it is such a you know mix and match kind of. Category you could have given that to somebody else that deserved, yeah yeah you know, that recognition. I'm that's sure.
1: really why it makes it's such a weird difference between those two categories because like if it's just the same song is in each category, what's the point? Right. You know, I don't know.
0: It's weird. Like I'm certain there was a Lizzo song probably in one of those categories. I, I think don't... Truth Hurts was in both, oh. or you know, one of them at least. I'm certain uh, Old Town Road was probably oh, in it. Sure, which yeah. I mean that. Could have at least... I mean, that was the song of the year. I know, I know. Let's be real, that was everywhere. Yeah. That was absolutely everywhere. Um, Best New Artist, so... It did... uh, Well,
1: uh, Old Town Road did win pop duo, right, or something.
0: For the remix Um, with Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, with
1: Billy Ray Cyrus, which is totally deserved...
0: What a good song. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Great song. But
1: you were saying she won, Billy won also? Uh, Best New Artist Best New as Artist, well. of course.
0: Um, just kind of scrolling through. Uh, her the brother, the producer, won Producer of the Year. Phineas won Producer of the Year. That is correct. Um, it's kind of the only ones coming up on this little uh, sort of like Cliff Notes version sure. of one that I've got up here. But um, that's a lot. I believe in total, if I'm remembering correctly, it was about six or seven awards that she took. Which wow. Is, Insane. That's crazy. And then uh, going into other categories, we got Best Rap Album, Igor, by Tyler, The Creator. Which, uh, that's a huge favorite mm-hmm. amongst Infinite Canvas here. Uh, best Rap Performance, uh, Racks in the Middle, Nipsey Hussle with Friday, Rich, and Hit Boy. Rest in Peace to Nipsey yeah. Hussle. That's, Seems I, like a nice tribute. Completely fine with that choice. Uh, best Rap Song, a lot, 21 Savage and J. Cole, which...
1: Yeah. Give J Cole his recognition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, J Cole and uh, best R and B album, Ventura. Anderson Pack, Hell which yeah! Is is great. I don't you? know. I'm
1: trying to remember if he's taken home an award before. I
0: believe this is his first. I believe
1: it is, which is really deserved for this album. Honestly, I really loved Ventura a lot. I thought Ooh. that was a really great album.
0: We we also very much love Andy here at Infant yeah. Canvas, so it's great to see him win and uh best pop vocal oh here here's another one that billie eilish won best pop vocal oh, album oh. which is that's a bit of a stretch i mean as much as talented as i think billie eilish is i don't think vocal performance is necessarily one of her strongest suits yeah. especially I, being up against someone like ariana grande who you know can belt it sings out man with pass jesus off, Christ. like, all yeah. the time so yeah. that's a little ridiculous i feel
1: like lizzo was in that category now like I, yeah. I think that she could have Totally
0: won that, and it would have been a good choice. Absolutely. And speaking of her, uh, best pop solo performance, Truth Hurts.
1: Which is weird, because I'm pretty sure that song's from 2017.
0: Yeah, I believe Um, it is, too. I don't know how the
1: Grammys work at all, apparently. I guess you could just, if your song was big that year, you could just have it in the
0: grammys yeah even they, though it's two years old they they do a lot of ridiculous stuff like it's, that it's I mean, weird even, even having lizzo in best new artist which she was yeah the best new artist nominated. has always
1: been kind of like well their first album didn't do big but they became huge on their second album so now they qualify for best new artist like it's right like, that, that category has always been like fake you know right
0: they basically wow. just acknowledge an artist as a new artist if they blew up within the year. Right. Like,
1: didn't like, Post Malone win last year or something like so. that? And Post Malone's been around for like four years by now. You I know,
0: think so. I think St. Vincent was nominated the year self-titled St. Vincent <laughs> came out, and she has been active oh, since, like, since yeah. 2006. Right. Yeah. So okay grammy's whatever yeah um best rock album social cues by cage the elephant eh, eh, Whatever. Yeah, there, there were a... way better rock albums that weren't no. nominated yeah uh it's probably
1: the best out of that category I mean, probably <laughs> um
0: yeah uh best alternative album father of the bride vampire weekend which again another favorite amongst the yep. canvas um, yeah. I personally would have loved to have seen that go to Big Thief, who I yeah. put out two incredible records this year. Which
1: one was uh, nominated?
0: Uh, UFOF, okay. which was the first one. And then they had Two Hands, which came out earlier in the year, I mean later in the year. And then uh, Anima by Tom York also would have been, that would have been mm-hmm. cool, to so hell see him yeah. take that. Those were my two personal favorites from that, but I'm, I'm fine with Fan yeah. Weekend taking it. And then, uh, of course, Empire Weekend took it. I feel like it's kind of the shoe in, right? Absolutely. I'm yeah. saving uh, this one for last because it is definitely a uh, something I want to talk about, and it was something that was um, addressed even further by Tyler, the creator, who brought about my favorite moment of this entire Grammy ceremony. Because mm-hmm. um, Jesus Christ, did he say a lot of truth? Um, best Urban Contemporary <laughs> Album: "Cause I Love You" by Lizzo. What the fuck is urban contemporary? Um other than a very um, let's just put all the story. black artists into one
1: grouping uh which doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me uh outside of the fact that yes it's it's oddly racially charged um but like they already split out hip hop they already mm-hmm. split out R&B mm-hmm you know those are your your two main you know black centric music genres right like exactly. what is the urban contemporary what does that mean
0: it's and this it's is an album lizzo's
1: album was up for best pop vocal album uh so like is it cross genre like what right. is what is
0: the urban contemporary genre uh, seriously <laughs> there there is no genre like that um and it's just funny to even think and, and one thing i want to bring up before kind of going in on that more is um so, Rosalia won for uh, Elmira Cuere, her newer album, and that was a category that was Best Latin Rock Urban or Alternative Album. That was literally <laughs> That's a, a category. That was literally a category where they literally threw in every Hispanic, so, so La- Spanish Latin, artist, Latin mm-hmm. artist into this one umbrella, mm-hmm. not to mention also multi-genre yeah and we're just like so basically like here's, here here's
1: the album of the year by Latina Latino artists
0: yes which is completely ridiculous it's, yeah it's but yeah going back to with Urban Contemporary I mean it's just it's like it's just, it's weird
1: it's weird that that category is not like a best international album or something really, or, like, or like that
0: would make way more sense or
1: if it even like non-English language exactly like that's you know uh the oscars exactly you know? it they, could be, they used it, to have foreign film but now it's i think i believe the category now is non-english drama or yeah. whatever you know it, uh, it could
0: be the you know grammy's equivalent of that but they don't do that instead they have this bizarre <laughs> just uh, frankly offensive categories so that weird. also lumps in multi-genres that aren't connected at all right those aren't connected and, yeah, with a subject like Irving Contemporary, I mean, Tyler, the creator, said it the best. I mean, it's just, it's it's giving an award, basically, because the organization sort of almost feels like they have to, like the analogy he used, it's like handing a, a kid a non-plugged-in video game controller and saying, oh, you're doing a great job. And it's, <laughs> it's sad, especially when an album like Because I Love You by Lizzo, which is, so great and also can fall into so many different categories mm-hmm. same with Igor by Tyler, the creator Classify it as pop classify it as not that mm-hmm. there because there are so many actual genres that this album is that it could fall into the into that camp into that yeah. category where something like that is just. It's so it's so transparent what the Grammys is do what yeah. they're doing with even having a category like that.
1: I wonder I wonder what will happen in the future if they'll actually address this and and change it. It's but... it's my
0: hope that with you know a figure like Tyler the Creator having the platform that he does and having the huge fan base that he does, I would hope that they wouldn't be as tone up as to just ignore that and mm-hmm. keep this going. I hope this would be somewhat of a watershed moment for the Grammys where they actually will change and realize, you know, just how bullshit a category like that is but award show, man. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> we'll yeah, see. As
1: always. Um, those award shows are definitely run by uh, well, I assume they're run by a committee of old white men. Yeah. Uh, uh, who knows if that's actually the case anymore but it definitely seems like it. Oh yeah. Uh, with, the, with these types of categories but um Absolutely. Shout out to Tyler, the Creator, Vampire Absolutely. Weekend, Lizzo, um, Lizzo Billy Eilish. Bill Eilish, like Great for all of them to
0: walk home with awards. Um, biggest artists of the year who were acknowledged in some way, shape, or form, and rightfully given yeah. awards for really incredible work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and hopefully the Grammys will, you know... Kind of become something a little, little something we could take a little bit more seriously sure. in years to come, but I'm it not gonna happen. hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it won't happen, but that's okay. Who that's needs right. it,
0: right? Exactly. Um, Speaking of who needs it, are you ready to talk about Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman? Sure. The first <laughs> film of 2020 that uh, yeah. I've seen. Our, fir- I, our, our first film 2020.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, we saw 1917 first this year True. but that, that's a, a 2019 film uh technically um yeah. i think the gentleman might have come out in 2019 in the uk but uh i go by u.s rules uh here so um <laughs> this is the first 2020 movie i've seen and uh yeah we'll, we'll talk about it in a moment when we get back
0: stay tuned Guy Ritchie's new film, The Gentleman, follows Matthew McConaughey as Mickey Pearson, an American who makes it big in London as the head of a marijuana empire. When word gets out that he's looking to cash out of the business, a bunch of nonsense subplots and characters get introduced that make this already ridiculous premise even more dumb. So Michael, what did you think of The Gentleman by Guy Ritchie?
1: Oh, it's so sad what's happened to Guy Ritchie, isn't it? What happened
0: to Guy Ritchie? <laughs>
1: oh, man. My God. We Oh, God. So we saw The Gentleman. Uh, I want to say it was a Wednesday. No, it was a Tuesday night, and it was literally us two and one other couple, an older couple, mm-hmm. in this low... all alone in this big <laughs> theater watching The Gentleman, and just like... The tension in that theater watching that movie i felt like no one was enjoying any of it the the guy the waiter who was bringing like the food kept walking in and i was just like save me from this movie
0: we we were at Um, one of those theaters it's kind of a thing where there's theater you've probably been to one there's a theater where they serve you dinner and drinks while Mm -hmm. you're you're watching and you know it's it's a, it's a pleasant experience yeah. it's real nice um which are uh, two things i cannot say about uh, the gentleman no. unfortunately um, um I, I feel like before we go in on this i want to give a little bit of a my personal background with guy Ritchie. Sure. Yeah. um i will i think um so i saw his film snatch for the first time at a very early age i think i was probably maybe like 12 years old when I saw that for the mm-hmm. first time, and at such a young, impressionable age. Um, kind of one of my first, I guess you could say, real movies. Like I, an adult yeah, like, crime that, drama. I, I mean, granted, I, I've, I've seen the work of Tarantino beforehand, sure. but this was kind of something where... Um, I didn't necessarily have like the influence of like maybe like my older brother or like my dad to kind of, you know, steer me into something. It was sort of a, it's it's sort of like kind of used to watch snatch on your own. Yeah. It was sort of like finding a band that you really like for the first time. You develop your own music taste and that film was kind of something where it's like, this is cool as hell. This is like, I'm seeing Brad Pitt in this performance that is so unlike anything Uh I'd been exposed to that he has been in before and just this incredible ensemble cast featuring Jason Statham and Benicio Del Toro. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is cool. This is just a cool movie. Yeah. It's sharp. It's funny. The action sequences are great. There's all this, like, very oddball humor about, you know, the, like, Irish, uh, I don't know, what you want to call them, the characters that... uh Brad Pitt is associated with Mickey. Just mm-hmm. these like travelers who you know live in there, like they set up shop in this like sort of uh, uh, like in like a Winnebago and just live out of there. Their little commune with dogs and, uh-huh. and stuff like that, and it's it's awesome. It's just such a like a clever little movie, and I I really loved it. And, uh, went back and watched Lock, Sock Two Smoking and Barrels, which I believe is Guy Ritchie's, like, I mean, it's definitely, I don't know if it's his first film, but yeah, definitely his first. Might
1: like, as well be his debut. De- yeah. I, I don't budget. know if it is or not, but, like, that might as well be his, his
0: first. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely his first film that, you know, gained him notoriety mm-hmm. and, uh yeah it brought attention to him, and I love that film as well so I very much have a soft spot in my heart for guy Ritchie. yeah like especially snap like more so than lockstock i it is just like a like a personal favorite it's just a movie that I could really mm-hmm. love and uh really maybe care about film in general sure. like more so at, at a younger age so <laughs> seeing a film like this um it, it, it's so just it's heartbreaking in a way <laughs> because it's this thing where you have somebody a director that you know you look to for a certain type of style mm-hmm. or a certain type of aesthetic that you know maybe I mean Snatch obviously is not the most substantive film of all time but that's honestly in it's charm that's what makes it sure. great it's it's still good in being such you know a simple crime film maybe a little more style over substance in that one but right. But... It works it right? works it's it's a it's an, a just enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. It's not something where I would call it dumb, but it's not something where I'd call it you know like the most high, know, art, or high art, art film. It's just a a good film it's mm-hmm. just a good time and um i uh I did not feel that right about this <laughs> um i there were points where and you said this when we were driving back from the theater. Um, I, there were moments where I was just kind of feeling like, when is this going to end? Yeah. Uh,
1: I believe the, the movie's probably like just two hours, uh, lengthwise and I wanted it to be over so, so much yeah. the entire time I was, I was just waiting for it to end. Um, and I have a, I have a sort of similar, uh, relationship to the guy, Richie and his films as Dan does. Uh, where I watched, just like him, Snatch and Locke's Stock, uh, Two Smoking Barrels, probably in high school, um, mm-hmm. and I, I really enjoyed both of them. I, I want to say my preference was uh, Lock, um, but uh, obviously both great films. Watching The Gentleman now makes me wonder if I was just a stupid teenager. Yeah, I'm worried about Uh, that. And I I don't know if I want to go back and watch Snatch or Lock Sock. uh, Because in all, you know, counts and purposes, it it feels like The Gentleman is almost like a spiritual successor to those movies, right? Or at least that's what it was billed as. This is trying. to, You know, It's, it's Guy Ritchie coming back. Uh, After doing, God, 15 years of, like, these big budget movies. Of of franchise films. a franchise films. He did
0: Sherlock Holmes, Mm -hmm. he did Man from Uncle. he did Aladdin Aladdin.
1: last year. Uh, He had that Robin Hood movie, he had the King Arthur movie. He's, like, only done these really big tentpole uh, blockbuster films, which, to me, in my eyes, didn't seem like what Guy Ritchie should be making. And no. From what I can tell, you know, maybe the Sherlock Holmes movies are actually pretty good. I've heard... I, I I've never
0: actually seen those, but I've heard good things. I saw the first one, and just judging off that, it's the the best of sure. what his output has been sure. in the last few years. Um,
1: but yeah, all the other movies that he's made uh, in the last decade have been, honestly, uh, from what I can tell, very mediocre at best. Yeah. Um, but with The Gentleman, it seemed like he was coming back to his roots doing a movie that he should be making that you would expect from Guy Ritchie.
0: Ensemble um, cast and tag. Yep. Uh, before we go more into that, we'll, I just kind yeah. of want to acknowledge the other actors that are in this. We've got Charlie Hunnam. we mm-hmm. got Hugh Grant. we got Colin Farrell. I mean... And and a, a handful of other
1: uh, character actors you've definitely seen before.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to hit on them because they're kind of the one, the biggest names in this movie. Uh, but they're like Michael just said. There's plenty of other people that you've definitely seen in things. Mm-hmm. Um, probably some more, you know, British-centric actors that like you know, kind of my first exposure to them in this film. But like maybe some other people who are yeah. more exposed to you know UK television or cinema. Probably recognize him, and that's great. Did and, you
1: mention Colin Farrell?
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, which, uh, if we're gonna talk performances, like, I, I think, uh, him and Charlie Hunnam definitely carried yeah. this film. They're I both thought. Incredible. I thought, what's his face?
1: Um, the reporter, what's his name again? Um, the, the actor,
0: was it uh, Hugh
1: Grant? Hugh Grant, yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was good, he was entertaining, um, absolutely, but yeah, I, I definitely think. I enjoy Charlie Hunnam as an actor. I think he's actually pretty
0: good. I really I wish, him. I wish
1: he had better roles.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I can only imagine how uh, he probably works as many wonders as he can in that yeah. uh, King Arthur film yeah, that he's I, in. Yeah, I bet.
1: Um, I mean, I, I I enjoyed Sons of Anarchy in high school when I watched it, and he was good in that. and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed his work with Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he hasn't had the chance to be like a big leading man in something really um, since Sons of Anarchy. Um, but he, he's he's actually really enjoyable here. Um, Colin Farrell is the best part of this movie, Absolutely. and it's a shame that he's only in it for maybe upwards of five to ten minutes. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. If, 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 if
1: this movie was about Colin Farrell's character and his gang of, of Hooligans, I think this movie would be a billion times better.
0: It would be way um, more it would feel way more in line with a film like Snatch, in all honesty. Yeah. I feel yeah. like those characters and just, you know, what they bring to the table in terms of the plot. And uh I think we should try our best to go into the plot on this sure. um yeah. after this, because like I, I need to tell you, listeners, that God, the plot of this film is just so it's so jumbled and just so messy. It's it's kind of hard. hard. It's really hard to follow. It's really hard to and follow, it, follow Honestly,
1: movie. I felt like for the first 30 minutes of this movie, I had no idea what was going on and I sat through the entire 30 minutes. Like, I watched it as intently as I could and I had no idea what was going on.
0: Yeah. But uh, So we have Colin Farrell. This character's name is Coach, which is great. Mm-hmm. And it's basically him with all these, you know... Young British kids, probably in like their late teens, early twenties, just going about and you know, you know, just being being vandals and committing crimes.
1: Well, I, well, I think with his, his character, he is literally the coach. He is like a coach of them as like oh, boxers. that's right, yeah, like, like, they're, like boxers. I forgot about that. they're boxers. They're um, boxers, yeah. I mean, you get so little of that great <laughs> part of this movie. Um, I, I can understand why you would have forgotten.
0: And also, just uh, talking that out, even that premise alone, like that would make for a so, way so more interesting movie yes. than what we're given with um, this. But yeah, no, he's great. He has a lot of really great. Well, his few moments in this film are yeah. great.
1: He has, I would say, he has the standout scene with the in in the uh, uh, the fast food restaurant that he's standing in line at, and then mm. the teenagers walk up and try and, like, basically fight him or, or like, you know. Um, that, I, th- I think that is the standout scene, and it's really carried by Colin Farrell. Um, yep, who just, just
0: plays it off very coolly and, you know, kind of just shows these kids, you know, with real guy right, yeah. and Yeah, it's great. It's, like, exactly what you'd want out of the character that he's playing in this, out of him as an actor, right. like gotta give a big shout out to Colin Farrell I think he is absolutely crushing it mm-hmm. at this point in his career yeah. um, and it's great to see him doing such good work I'm absolutely so excited to see him as the penguin in the new <laughs> Batman movie yeah. I think he's going to be awesome in that but um, yeah definitely a great part of this film and uh, yeah, there's not there's, much else That's there's great. not much else <laughs> it's great. Um, do you want to kind of go into the
1: like how this story is kind of set up Let's try this. Um, so, so... God, it's so jumbled. It really made... uh, It's so hard to even comprehend. So basically, the story starts out, um... And it's basically Hugh Grant, uh, who plays this reporter at at some, you know, highfalutin uh, uh, newspaper in in Britain, um, goes to Charlie Hunnam, who, uh, Charlie Hunnam's character is, like, Matthew McConaughey's right-hand man in this movie. Uh, he basically... Runs kind of the whole business, you know, side of things and and whatnot, and, and, you know, does his accounting and whatnot. Um, And he comes to him with this story, uh, and he he sets it up, Hugh Grant's character, the reporter, sets it up as, like, a, a film script that he's written. Uh, basically mm-hmm. about Matthew McConaughey's character's yeah. exploits, right? Like an
0: awareness of what he's up to, right. what his life is like. It,
1: it, you you begin to understand that that this reporter has been following uh, Matthew McConaughey and his gang. Um, obviously Matthew McConaughey is illegally growing weed in the UK and has a, a multi-hundred million dollar business being run, mm-hmm. um... And he's, you know, been able to fly under the radar, but this reporter is going to, and he comes to Charlie Hunnam's character to kind of lay out everything and and do a rant, like basically as ransom, like, you know, he sets up like you pay me twenty million dollars, or else this story's gonna go out and your, you know, businesses could put. Right. Um, but that it's so, and that's ba- more or less the story. It's it's him recounting, uh, all of these moments uh that Matthew McConaughey's character has kind of gone through and all, all these times that he's he's followed them, him and him and Charlie Hunnam, um, and trying to piece it together and, and figure out he he's they're also figuring out in this process, uh, as Matthew McConaughey is trying to sell off his business to somebody, mm-hmm. uh it turns out that that, you know, someone's trying to screw over Matthew McConaughey's character. I apologize for not knowing any of these characters' names because I re- I just I don't care enough. <laughs> um I don't know that it's. I, it's, I don't know. It's a really a big deal. Um, Dan motions his his laptop over to me so I can <laughs> I can see all the names. But um, yeah, so they kind of find out that there's you know different gang leaders who are trying to infiltrate and and screw over Matthew McConaughey uh, his character and get the business for a, a cheaper sum than it should be uh, than it's actually worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the movie and and that's. I don't know. I don't think it's actually that interesting of a plot, really, especially with especially with Matthew McConaughey's character, Mickey Mickey Pearson, as I see it right here. Um, (laughs) He's such a throw. Like he is the main star. He's the star of this movie, but he's also one. I feel like he's not in that much.
0: He's not. Most
1: of the story is really based around Hugh Grant and Charlie Hunnam's characters. Right. Um, But also Mickey. Matthew McConaughey's character is so boring and it's, plain Jane. Like he's, There's not an interesting bit of character there. And
0: also not very likable. There's not no. really a moment where he does anything as a character where I feel a sense of wanting to root for him. Where I feel like I am remotely invested or care mm-hmm. in what he's up to or what happens to him. Um, at all, which, I mean, this is this is a star. This is the main character. That's You're already off to a bad foot. <laughs> right. If within, basically, I mean, I feel, because the, the movie begins where he, where Mickey explains his empire and, you know, talks about, you know, where he has property and what brought him to this point and, you know, just how he got to where he is and just right. the entire time I'm just like, okay. It, it's just kind of a, I mean, I love Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. he's great, but I feel like he's kind of settled into this, the, the reconnaissance is over, and I feel like he's yeah, just sort yeah, of really in roles where he just plays this type of character where it's just, you know, it's Matthew McConaughey and he's just this, <clears throat> I'm a chill dude right? guy, but that doesn't make for anything substantial, there's nothing that I can gravitate towards right. or pull from that, and I suppose he does a fine job in this, but I mean, it's it's just it's very unmemorable. It's very unmemorable, and the character, uh, the character of Mickey, the lead character, is so unmemorable. Yeah. And there is just, I don't know. Yeah. And,
1: and and I don't know if I'm stupid or not, but literally watching this movie for like the first thirty minutes, as Hugh Grant kind of sets this up, I don't know if I missed some bits of dialogue or something, but it really feels like. The movie that he's written, like the script that he's written, that he's showing Charlie Hunnam. I really, I I, for so long I didn't understand if Charlie Hunnam and Hugh Grant's characters were friends. If this was literally a movie script that he wrote, I didn't even know if Mickey was a real character in this universe or if it was a movie character that was like maybe based on some other in-universe person. It was re- it was so confusing to me. I might be stupid. I no, don't know.
0: I mean, it's it could very much be read that way. And to be honest, if they went in that kind of route, I feel like that would have made for a bit more of an interesting movie. If this was if this kind of Fallout became uh, sort of what it tries to be, and being almost a movie about movies, mm-hmm. like it, it has that element of it. Sure. I feel like maybe if it kind of went in that route, it would have been a bit more interesting, but. It, it doesn't do that. Yeah, and as it is, it, it's... There's also just, like, not really, you know, anything that, you know, is kind of... Uh, there's just nothing there. Like there's nothing, this, there's this, nothing this is, this here. Is, this film is just um, two hours of just fucking hot air. Like, it's and just... It's there's, like, really... There's really, like, nothing that happens in this movie. <laughs> no.
1: There's, like, so few plot points. There's, like, so little action... Uh, I, I can't even think of, like, an actual action scene that happens in this movie. It there's, tries. like,
0: confrontations. It tries and, to happen.
1: And that, there's moments, but... like, there, there is one moment that actually might be my favorite moment from the movie outside of Colin Farrell's uh, introduction is the uh, one part where Colin Farrell's hooligans break into one of Mickey's uh, weed farms and they basically make a music video out of like, fighting the, like, Mickey's goons in his, his weed farm, um, and I thought that part was, like, a, actually, like, a really well-made, like, yeah. tr- you know, trap, hip-hop, uh, music video.
0: Great song, um, Yeah, again, it was a really cool, cool scene. Again, why this film should have been about Coach and yes. his, you know, his underlings, but <sighs> um, moving on.
1: <laughs> I mean, other than that, like, it, it was a hard movie to understand, um...
0: Blatantly racist, yes, um, um I was wondering if we were gonna maybe wait on no that I don't want to wait on that story. for spoilers. This um, movie is so it made me very uncomfortable the, the The dialogue in this film it really feels like Guy Ritchie the, the entire time, and also bear in mind not only did Guy Ritchie direct this, but he wrote the screenplay for mm-hmm. it. It feels like Guy Ritchie the entire time is just being like, PC culture is dumb. Right, right. Let's you know have people. It's
1: a big middle finger to like liberal ideas. I feel like right. you know.
0: Let's have like literally these white characters you know say insensitive shit to black characters or Asian characters oh right to their face the... multiple times in this movie. Like literally any time you. I, I, I maybe I'm. Over exaggerating this, but I feel like almost any time there is a person of color and a white person on screen, the white person <laughs> is being like you know d- doing this like very racist overtly racist yes. of them or insulting that yes. person in some way every time. Yeah, like it's it's, it's... it's really just off-putting it's it's, it's, so it's off-putting. especially
1: with the with the asian stereotypes that they go after yeah. in this movie um they one of the other gangs uh is, a, is an asian gang and it's actually uh kind of led by um the star from um what was that movie crazy rich asians mm-hmm. uh, i believe it's like henry, henry golding henry golding who plays um, dry
0: eye really cool yes. character yeah Some actually actually it
1: We'll get into another thing in spoilers about why that character might not be too cool. Oh, uh, actually, okay, no, I'm but not uh, but that. an but yeah. an interesting but oh, more God, more yeah, of no, a, really
0: okay, anyway. but def,
1: but definitely more of an interesting character <laughs> for the most part than a lot of the other uh, characters you get in this film. Absolutely. Um, but every single time there's any any Asian characters being talked about or on screen. Uh, one of the white characters is either calling them a dragon, which it's not like their gang is the dragons. Like, they're exactly. literally calling them a dragon because it's, like, a racial stereotype. Uh, there's jokes about, like, rice uh, being yellow. Uh, probably, I like, it's just, like, literally everything you could think of that's an Asian stereotype they make a joke about. And it's supposed to be funny You're, I feel like the characters who are saying these things are also supposed to be your hero characters, the characters you're supposed to care about. Mm. Um, and it's, it's interesting because, like, you know, I've been re watching a lot of Tarantino movies uh, recently, and I've, I've been having sort of an issue with Tarantino and his use of, like, the N word in his movies. And at least there, it's like, okay, every, like, with Reservoir Dogs, like, these are all shitty people. Of course, you know, they're going to get into these racial stereotypes and say these shitty things. Whereas here, with um, with uh, The Gentleman, it feels like you're supposed to laugh at these very insensitive, outdated jokes that, one, aren't even funny, and yeah. two, are just, like, really
0: insensitive. I got a prime example of this. Uh, Jason Wong's character in this film, Vyuk, which is oh, spelled the... P-H-U-C. Um, yes. I mean, you could just kind of connect the dots on the type of yeah, and that, that that's a joke there. that
1: goes on for a long time about like oh his name is fuck oh yeah. but with the P and the, it's just like oh it's so oh, it's it's and like you said it was like uncomfortable um, yeah it was it's it's so weird uh, it was I don't it just seems so out of place with with this movie. Um... I don't know it yeah. it was really off putting
0: absolutely, uh, and
1: I mean that you know, even if I were to look past all of that shit, like this movie is not enjoyable in any other no. context or capacity at all, so it's like on top of being a boring bland uh inconsequential story, it's also incredibly racist, and also uh and we'll get into it a bit in the spoilers section, also uh, like misogynist and Ooh, and, yeah. and 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 well i'll say this there's one woman character in this movie and she definitely has to be saved at one point and it's it's mind-boggling this scene what happens in this mm. scene it was it was i couldn't believe what i was watching honestly
0: and to a lesser um, extent this is another thing i want to get into spoilers um there's another really weird uh thing that gets referenced in this movie that we kind of talked about after we watched it uh kind of more deals with Hugh Grant's character mm-hmm. um and his plot um well I'll, I'll touch more on it later sure. it's sort of a thing where it's just why did you feel it necessary to reference this mm. Um, but we'll we'll get to that more later. I don't
1: remember. I, I'm I'm trying to remember what what you're talking about, but
0: I'm we'll sure. we'll get to it. We'll yeah. get to it. But um, um yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> is there anything more in way of plot that we can talk about with this? Um,
1: I don't think so. Kind of grasping straws here. And and honestly, I think we've kind of said our piece about just how much we dislike this movie yeah um i think i think we're totally good to kind of give it a score and going to spoilers here how are you feeling um phew, i was thinking like a three but honestly i think like a two might be a a better score for this movie and, and honestly it's a two just because of of colin farrell and maybe a bit of of charlie autumn <laughs> It's a bad movie. It's a bad, bad movie.
0: I'm saying a three out of ten on this. Yeah. Um Yeah. The worst movie I've seen in 2020 so far. <laughs> so all other all, bad all movies. one
1: movie we've seen this year. <laughs> uh, it's definitely the worst.
0: It'll be interesting to see if this remains my most hated movie of the year. Uh, um, I, honestly, with all the things that we just talked about and just how kind of you know just. Mind-blowingly toned up and just kind of gross. This mm-hmm. this film is. I I kind of doubt it. I, I, yeah. I hope at least there's nothing else that I watch this year that will uh, make me just so just question a director. Fast and, and Furious uh, Nine. <laughs> no, I, I hope that's like no. A, that'll be. I hope that's. I hope that's a, I a, ex- I a, ex- ex- a nine out <laughs> That Fast Nine will be at least a nine. There's gonna be no, no. incentive to shit in that. I bet. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, yeah, I, I just, yeah, that makes me, like, question a director and just their, like, just what they're trying to get at yeah. with a project like this, mm-hmm. and also just the movie as a whole, because, I mean, it's just, there's nothing there. Nope.
1: Uh, yeah, so, uh, if you don't want to know anything about The Gentleman, uh, you can cut off now, come back later. Um, yeah, let's talk a bit about the... Oh God. The the scene that I wanna to point to first yeah. um and maybe might be the only scene I want to talk about in spoilers, because there's not really much to talk about, is um Matthew McConaughey's wife in this film, uh kinda runs a side like car detailing business, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and she's sitting in her office when uh Henry Golding's character comes to her dry eye and he it, it it comes to be known that he's like behind this whole plot where he's gonna screw over everybody and able to uh get Matthew McConaughey's business for really cheap. Um mm. and maybe even and, and also he puts out an, an assassination hit on Matthew McConaughey's character at, at at one point. Um and he comes to her office with two two of his uh, henchmen And, uh, she is able to shoot two of them and kill them. Uh, of course she only has this tiny little lady pistol, uh, and so he gets the...
0: A paperweight. The the paperweight joke that they go back to
1: all the time. It's not even, I don't get it.
0: Mickey, (laughs) Mckay's character is given this quote-unquote paperweight. It's a very tiny gold gun and there's five bullets in the box with it
1: um they they really go Uh. back to that they go back to that joke like four times more than they should basically Um, just
0: for the resolution of look a woman's using it that's like uh, essentially what they get at
1: with that in Um, this
0: film which is just bullshit and
1: oh and also before we say anything else the humor in this movie is so piss poor it every joke basically the punchline ends up being one character calling another character a cunt Mm-hmm. Literally ninety five percent of the supposed jokes in this movie revolve around calling a guy a cunt. That almost, is
0: literally it. I almost wonder if Guy Ritchie was intentionally trying to just you know make something like this just to see what kind of reaction it got out of people. You know, like it was almost done this way on purpose. Maybe, yeah, but
1: I don't. I don't give him. Enough. I'm. I'm not going to give him that credit. And <laughs> I, don't I don't think like... that deserves credit. No, anyway. also that's yeah. just
0: like. You're not doing anything other than just being you know incredibly edgy and just just being a very like making something in the poorest taste possible, mm-hmm. and that's not good yeah there's there's nothing worth merit in that.
1: And uh, so back to the scene, uh, she ends up uh, Henry Golding's character gets uh advantage on her, and he basically pins her up against uh, her desk. And for a moment, you're just like, okay, he's gonna kill her, he's gonna kidnap her something, and then he spreads her legs and starts taking off his pants, and it's so out of nowhere, it's so, this is the scene that I was uh, talking about earlier, where it was just like, so, what am I even watching? What is, like, what is this? This character, there was nothing in this moment, like, nothing about this character that said this would be a thing. He didn't have any sort of rape tendencies at all. And then also to pick this moment where, like, she just killed two guys and you're in her office where anybody else could come at any moment to save her. And you're going to, like, do this awful act? Yeah. Um, it It just... It was so, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it disgusted me. It's so um, disgusting. And then, of course, Matthew McConaughey's character shows up after, like, uh, this big whole th- rigmarole of him getting into a car accident, and then he's running after the car accident. Oh, I gotta get to my wife! Get to um, my wife. Uh, and then he, he, like, I believe he gets there, and he's like, you are gonna kill my wife! And he has this whole big meltdown, and then he shoots him. <laughs> Uh, he, he kills Henry Golding's character, and it was just like, "What the fuck also, am I watching?" Also, also
0: want to say too that not only do we see this character about to be raped, but then the you know big like you know moment where she gets saved. It cuts to a shot of her face, and she's like covered in the brains and blood yeah. of Henry Golding's character, and she's got like a smile on her face, and it's like, am I supposed to feel good about <sighs> this? Am I supposed to like Did she have that, a
1: smile on her face? Yeah, she was really? like super
0: happy to see Mickey and it's Jesus. like, is this supposed to make me feel like yeah, he saved her? Like we go from, you know, one incredibly gross scene <sighs> to another one. And, and Yeah. And and this is this is literally
1: I think she might be literally the only speaking female character in this
0: movie. I can't think outside of, of
1: Outside of that, that like drug addict girl that they go and save, which is like a plot point in this movie that oh, literally Jesus. is like 20 minutes of this movie that has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> uh, I don't know why it was there. It's not interesting at all. Uh, it could have been cut. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's two characters that are women in this movie, uh, but basically one. And it's Matthew McConaughey's wife. And for her to have this traumatic experience, um, and then the end, the very, very end of this movie, the final scene, I, I don't know what the implications that, that Guy Ritchie is trying to get at with, like, the meaning behind yeah, this, this, it's so
0: a, weird. This is one I was There's... talking about. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, Hugh Grant's character, Fletcher, uh, he has his, you know, script, I guess, ready uh-huh. for his film about Mickey and uh he goes and pitches it to miramax films harvey weinstein's Her- own miramax films which why almost would make sense yeah.
1: had this movie been produced or distributed by miramax right but it's not it was put out by It's stx, STX. so why is hugh grant's character going to miramax of all things directly after this rape scene occurred or almost rape scene occurs it's like i don't know if guy Ritchie knows what he's getting at here or not um but even on top of that um one scene the, the scene that i was uh getting to was is literally the final scene um there's like a moment between mickey and his wife uh pretty early on in the film where uh they like you know kind of flirt with each other like they're gonna you know gonna have sex at some point but they don't in that moment because of course and yeah um who wouldn't with me <laughs> um but then literally the last scene in this movie post traumatic almost rape experience for her is like matthew mcconaughey basically being like so you want to have sex and then like he closes the door like he doesn't say that but like they give this look of that and then he closes uh, the door and that's geez. that's it like, yeah. and I don't know, like, I don't know that... What are you saying with this? Like, Matthew McConaughey saved her from rape, and now he gets to have sex with his wife.
0: Like, I don't... It's like, what is this? Yeah.
1: I it, 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 It's...
0: Like, how, oh. how do you expect, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there are some audiences that walk away from this feeling like, yeah, that was a great experience. What a well-put-together film, but it, it just left me personally just feeling very disgusted and just bewildered because it's just bewildered in the sense of just how do you think any of this is a good idea i i don't understand that at all i I made a i made a joke to dan after we we
1: walked out of this movie because we saw a trailer for some kind of uh movie that has to do with like the kkk and some kkk member it might you know be having some different feelings about you know race and stuff like that that's what i got from the trailer i don't remember what it was called but it's like joked that somehow this movie about the kkk is probably going to be less racist <laughs> and sexist than than the gentleman is yeah um and it's it's wild to me
0: it's really um, crazy this is
1: this is literally Probably the most racist and sexist movie <laughs> i've seen in in I don't know how long like it it just it feels out like so out of date uh and and I just i don't get any of the praise that it's getting I don't either uh, i don't understand. maybe people saw a different movie than us I swear it just doesn't make any sense to me and
0: it's just like I don't understand how that doesn't connect with people or that doesn't click with people just. Uh, just how you know how racist offensive it is sexist, offensive altogether it is I that's really alarming mm-hmm. like about audiences seeing this or reviewers seeing this that like what is it about this what kind of spell does it put these other people under where they know. just don't see that because it's just so glaring it's so blatant it's so blatant
1: um, And again, you know even if I were to look past any of that stuff, it's just such an uninteresting movie altogether. Yeah. Plus, added on top of that, it's racist and sexist. Like, <laughs> right. it's just a bad movie. And then also, it's like a bad movie. Right. You know, like it's 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 a different kind of bad. It's it's uh, it's reprehensible. It's 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 irresponsible, honestly, on it Guy Ritchie's part and like everyone who produced this movie. It's it's. It's a shame. Yeah. Um. uh, It's a shame what's happened to Guy Ritchie and his career, and the fact that he can't make a movie. But also, if this is the kind of movies he wants to make, then shit. I hope he doesn't get to make
0: another one. I really Um, hope not either. I certainly will not watch it. I will not watch it because I mean I was excited for this. with The reviews that were coming out being generally positive. Yeah. Again, just my nostalgic love for him and like his previous works. And, like, seeing what those seem to be all about, um, and just kind of being more of a, you know, return to, I guess, a quote-unquote like return to form. what you would think would have been a return I, to form. Yeah, what I would think would be, I was very excited for this, but now I, I don't, I, I don't, really don't, I don't care what he does next. I literally, I don't, don't know what he, see it. I don't
1: know what he could do to make me want to go see another movie by him. Yeah. At this point, it's, it's unfortunate, I guess, um, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about this movie. I just really didn't like it. Me neither. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm still sitting at a two, I think.
0: Yeah. I think that's a fair Um, score. For some reason, I don't know why I I feel like a three is just kind of my feelings on it. It's kind of a good baseline. It's, I mean, that's certainly not good. (laughs) No, definitely not. Yes. But, um, it's just, it's just a shame. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, i will be very curious to see if there is anything that i despise to the level of this <laughs> that for yeah. in terms of films in 2020 um, but, uh, yeah. I, I do hope though on a, i hope there is some silver lining in this that you know we got this out of the way so maybe 2020 it's only
1: looking up from here yeah
0: <laughs> birds of prey will be great
1: um <laughs> All the other movies, New Mutants, I don't whatever. Blast nine. Everything's gonna be great. Whatever twenty four all...
0: movie that comes out this year. <laughs> yeah, it will
1: all at least be better than this. Exactly. So uh, maybe it's
0: good. Maybe it's good that maybe this was the sacrificial lamb of film twenty twenty. Early
1: and and then and now it can only be better for us moving was, forward.
0: From now on, and maybe for the rest of the year on this show, I'm gonna say after every movie we review <laughs> At least it wasn't The Gentleman. <laughs> it's better than Gentleman. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah,
1: so I think that'll that'll wrap it up for our review and take here on uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that should have just been the review. Just uh... Close to 40 minutes of noises. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're just, just like splicing, in like Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Uh, yeah, we're uh, going to take a break here and come back with uh, your questions and some shout outs. Let's we'll close out the, this week's show. Stay tuned. Hey,
0: everybody, and welcome back to Infinite Canvas Ultra. Um, We are going to move from the cesspool of negativity that is the Uh, gentleman and go into more positive territory with Q&A where we answer questions from you, our adoring fans. Um, This week's question comes from Ethan, who is asking us, what would be our top five Desert Island albums? Which is a great question. I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten this sooner. So, shout out to Ethan. Good question. Um, I'm just going to go real off the cuff and we can go just explanations on this um, if if need be, but I think uh, five albums I would take with me on a deserted island would be uh, Kid A by Radiohead uh, The Money Store by Death Grips I'd probably take Is This It by The Strokes Mm -hmm, with me mm -hmm. Um, probably To Pip a Butterfly by Kendrick and hmm fifth class You know what? I feel like uh, Bonito Generation by Kirk I, know, I was honestly, be...
1: I was thinking that because it would be such a different type of experience from any, anything else you could probably take. Yeah. And it's such a listenable album.
0: Also, I'd like uh... to think the deserted island I'm on is like sunny and there's oh, like, yeah. a lot of water and like I feel like that would probably be like a good album for, for that sure. kind of environment.
1: Um, man, uh, if I had to choose, I'd probably go with uh Room on Fire. Uh, by The Strokes for my Strokes pick. Of course, I have to have a Strokes pick. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. That's a good pick. Hotel, perhaps. Great pick. Um, God, oh, it's so hard. Oh, of course, Emotion by Kelly Ray Jepsen. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a. Given. I feel like you probably play that one the most <laughs> so it's, on the album. On the yeah, honestly, <laughs> probably my most played album ever. Um, hmm, maybe like Revolver or That's a Rubber good pick. Soul.
0: No, it has to be one. Um, it has to be What's one. What's it going to be? Ah. Unless you make that two of your choices.
1: Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'd probably go Rubber Soul okay. so that I never have to listen to Yellow Submarine ever again. <laughs> <laughs> the one the one blight on, on Revolver in my eyes. Um, and for a final album. Oof this is a tough
0: question yeah I
1: mean there's so there's so many to pick from I can't even like think of any albums it's like so hard it's
0: too hard to uh, so that's why I just didn't give it like really any thought it was yeah, more so just like just whatever came kind of just like albums that either I feel like would be good to have around mixed with albums that I have listened to so much in my right. life that it's just like yeah they're like real big essentials to me so. um god uh
1: by the way, By the Red Hot Chili Peppers, probably. A good album to have on a um, deserted island, for sure. That's that's one of my faves. Kid favorite, so.
0: Good picks. Yeah. Good picks. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think that's my five. Yeah, that was a great question. Hopefully I don't ever get stranded on a deserted island.
0: Hopefully not, because, like, there are just not enough albums I could take <laughs> with me. Um... And I'm already thinking of like other ones. that's like fuck. Like Maybe that would I be great. Taken that one. I should have taken that one. But nope. I'm just gonna stick with those. Yeah, stick that's with that.
1: it. I. Oh, I didn't take any hip hop though.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> oh man. Like I want to get into the Wu Tang in there. You know. Would you edit
0: one out? Maybe Rubber Soul. Oh wow. <laughs> you heard it here. Uh, Wu Tang over the Wu Tang over the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah maybe I'm gonna stick with that okay I think so I like it I like it a lot let's do that got any shout outs for this week Michael
1: um I am gonna shout out of course the library Hell we yeah. already did it before but we'll do it again cause we love the library support your local um, library your tax dollars pay for it I'm gonna <laughs> shout out the library every goddamn week if I can um until someone stops me um
0: yeah that's a shoutout what do you got uh, I'm gonna shout out my buddy Kyle. It was his birthday last week. Cool. Happy birthday, Kyle! Um, got any others for this week?
1: Um, gonna shout out uh, just good friends, you know. Absolutely. Um, just had a lot of good times with with some old friends over the past week week or two. Uh, seen a lot of old friends for the first time in a while, and it was it's real nice seeing seeing people again. That's great. That's um, really so great. shout out to
0: everybody who who. I've seen over the last two weeks. That's that's great. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna piggyback off that. You know, friends. They're Hell yeah. Great. They make your they make your life just so much richer and so much better. Yeah. And uh, you can make podcasts with them, <laughs> and it's it's a great thing. So yeah. Shout out to all, all my friends out there, and shout out to all of you listening. It's been mm-hmm. another episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra. We will be back at it next week with. Uh, Probably talking about Birds of Prey, Uh, we have been talking about maybe finally watching The Fanatic, and uh, I would love to touch down on that in
1: an episode. If if not next week, at least the week after that for sure. In the Uh, near future. We definitely have to watch The Fanatic and and get that in there. In
0: the near future, so Um,
1: until then, see you next time. See you next time.
0: This week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is sponsored by Midwest Action. For more information on their releases and events sponsored by Midwest Action, you can head to MidwestAXN.com or search MidwestAXN at Bandcamp. Midwest Action. Listen local.